the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Week three of our series, Peace. The first week of the series was go in peace. We looked at Abraham and how Abraham had this word from God that at the end of his life, he would go in peace to his forefathers, that he would be whole at the end of his life, that the one area of his life where he'd known lack, he would be made complete, that he would have this son that God was going to give him, that he'd have descendants, that he'd have a future, that it wouldn't be just cut off and ended with him and his wife, that he would be whole and that God wants us to be whole. And in the areas of our lives where we experience lack, God wants to bring peace and that peace is multifaceted, that peace isn't just the absence of conflict as we talk about it today, but the peace of the Jewish people, shalom, is like balance, wholeness, good mental health, health, luck, prosperity, salvation, retribution, the rebalancing of all things and all things being incorrect in their place. It's an amazing, powerful concept, so much more than what we generally talk about when we talk about peace. And then the second week we looked at my peace I give you, not as the world gives it. So how does the world gives it? That's the question. So at the time of Jesus, there was someone who was known as Lord, and that would have been Caesar. Caesar would have rocked up with his army at a nation, at a town, at a city, and he would have said, Caesar is Lord. And if they didn't say Caesar is Lord, then the Romans would move in with their centurions. They would take the place over by force instead of just taking their taxes straight away. And so peace was brought to the world by the Romans through power, through military might. They believed that they were bringing peace and salvation to the world and that Caesar is Lord, which is why the Christians started to coin the phrase, Jesus is Lord. And the difference between Jesus and Caesar was, Caesar was seen to be this God in flesh that imposed his will on people by uh, his army, by death and by brutality and by taking. And Jesus was the complete opposite of that who gave his life. So he was the one who, instead of sending us out to trample over people or sending people out to do his will or to take from people, he gave and he gave all that he was. And that's why Jesus, when he talks about the peace he gives us, it's so different from what the world gives us because actually the way the world system works is there are people at the top and they have the system rigged that more and more is going up to them. Whereas Jesus is at the top and because he's at the top, it actually works where he's at the bottom. That's why the greatest in the kingdom of God is the one that serves all because he's giving to all generously without limit. And so, That is how he gives his peace. We know what peace he gives. And this week we're looking at blessed are the peacemakers. So we're going to read some scripture in Matthew 5. Matthew 5 verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. 
You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp, put it under a basket, on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. They may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So the first thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about blessed. Because everyone's always blessed. That's blessed, bro. Blessed, blessed, blessing, cool, whatever. Um, Hashtag blessed. Hashtag humbled. You know what I mean? When they're totally not blessed and totally not humbled. Um, It's just thrown about like as a, it's just an easy hashtag. Blessed means truly happy. It means truly happy. And the strange thing is in the UK today, if you're going to ask parents and take a survey of parents, what do you want your kids to be? I want my kids to be happy. That's what everyone says. I want my kids to be happy. I want them to be happy. I want them to be happy. I want them to be happy. And they're bending every way they can to make their kids happy. They're just lavishing stuff on their kids. They're spoiling their kids. It's just like a, a weird kind of thing. I didn't grow up in a world where my parents wanted me to be happy. That wasn't the number one goal. They'd like it if I was happy. It's cool when I was happy, but they weren't like, oh, gonna make him happy. Gonna make him happy. It wasn't top priority. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. When I stepped out of line, it wasn't about making me happy. It was about laying the smack down. It was, it was making sure that I was good. They wanted me to be good. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Jesus uses this phrase, blessed. And I think it's so important for the world we live in today because of the way that we talk about happiness. I don't want my kids to be happy. Don't get me wrong, I kind of want them to be happy. I, I kind of do. Don't get me wrong, I don't want my kids walking around the house going, <laughs> like there's nothing more irritating than hearing your kids moan and whine about something. It is like kryptonite for the soul. It is like, give me the shotgun, I want to blow my brains out over this wall. I hate hearing my kids moan. It's the most painful thing. You're in the other room and you're shouting at them more for moaning than you are for anything they ever do wrong. You're like, I don't want to hear that moaning anymore. Like, man, there's nothing that makes you want to jump off the balcony on the eighth floor more than kids moaning. So I'm not saying I, don't, I want them to be unhappy. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that's not my goal. Jesus talks about being truly happy. You see, happiness is a tempora- temporary illusion and it's not really fixed to anything in any fixed way or manner. It's not like you can have something, just repeat that, and then you'll be happy again. Because if you notice like, how fleeting it is with, like, say, phones, for example. I always use phones because it's so easy. They bring them out all the time. You get the phone, and when you peel off that plastic layer for the first time, there's an element of happiness to it. But within a few months, you'll be looking at the next one that comes out and they advertise it, and you're looking at the same phone you loved and cherished with absolute disdain and hatred. It's like you're looking at your phone going, I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> You know what I mean? And you're like phoning up Vodafone or wherever you're with going like, so when am I doing an upgrade? What do you mean it's 18 months? Are you kidding me? Like, and then you just feel enslaved to this thing that apparently gave you joy when you peel back the plastic layer, but now you're like, oh, I've got this thing, this ball and chain to carry around. That's how we are. We like that with cards, we like that with clothes. We get something that we love, and then a few months later we look at it, we don't look at it the same way. There's this temporary nature to happiness. But then Jesus talks about being blessed and I want to look through these these statements he makes because I believe these are keys to being truly happy and at first glance they don't they don't really sound like it but it's because actually if you don't stick on these paths you deviate and you find your you'll find yourselves deviating and one of the things about the Hebrew word for sin is it's like an, an archery term shatar it means to go the wrong way to perpetually miss the target and what happens when you miss a target by a small degree is in a couple of thousand miles, you're a long way off. And if you go to the other side of the universe, you'll be in a different couple of galaxies away from where you want to be aiming for. So the further you move in that direction, the further and further you get away perpetually. So Jesus talks about these keys. So these keys keep us. So he gives us his peace. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. He gives it to us. 
but he talks about these keys to be truly blessed, to stay within that place of what he gives us. So he talks about humility. Being humble is so, so, so key. It's like when God gives you the gift of salvation, it isn't so you construct your stuff. It isn't so you can become like this monstrously big-headed person seeing yourself above other human beings around you. That's Lucifer. That's not Jesus. That's not who he was. God became flesh and blood. He came down to meet the needs of those around him. Humility is absolutely key. He talks about healthy grieving. Healthy grieving because you see, the thing is, regardless of how blessed you are, regardless of how, how much goodness or peace you experience in your life in a moment with God or however you have this amazing kind of spiritual moment in your life, Thanos is coming. The pain will come. The sickness will come. The loved one that you love will suffer. They will die. You will go to their funeral. You will sit by their bedside. Those moments will come. They're inevitable. You can't avoid them. It's realness. And so you have to have healthy grieving. Blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. You've got to learn how to let the pain out when stuff happens in life that hurts you, if you want to stay in that peace with God. Because otherwise, if you let it build up, you don't let it out, there comes a point. There's so many guys I know that had a great relationship with God that I have a great one now because they got a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. They never let out. They never mourned effectively. They never grieved. And then eventually you meet with them and you just hear them directing. I mean, you listen to some atheists, man, the way they talk about God, it's like he's actually in the room. Have you noticed that? I'm like, you have a lot of hatred towards someone who doesn't exist. Like, guys don't make any sense. The passion you have right now of what you would tell, if I was in front of God, I'd say this. What do you mean if you're in front of God? He doesn't exist. How can you be in front of God to say any of this stuff? And then they reel off all this hurt. The hurt is real. If you don't mourn effectively in your life, that resentment's gonna build up. It's gonna destroy the peace, the shalom that Jesus gives us, this amazing free gift that is beyond any price that could be put on it. He says that we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirsting for doing the right thing. Not bashing yourself over the head for it. Not feeling like, oh, oh, I need to do this. A desire, a passion to see what's good. We need to be merciful. <laughs> Loads of people love to receive mercy. They don't like to pass it on. Jesus told a great story about that. About a man who was in debt, a little bit of money. And um, how he was forgiven. And then someone owed him money. And he had them dragged out, thrown in prison. Thought they should be, have the smackdown on them. He loved receiving mercy. Didn't want to show it. The Bible says, blessed are the merciful. He wants us to be merciful people. He says, pure in heart. That's a difficult one. It's not really one you can do to yourself because David said, Lord, create me a pure heart and renew in me a right spirit. But we have to be people that at least want to even pursue having a pure heart because there are some people who have no desire in having a pure heart. Blessed are the peacemakers for they should be called the sons of God. I'm going to come back to that one because that's the main thing I want to talk about. And then it goes on to say, Blessed are those who are persecuted for doing the right thing. Because you see, if you want to stay in the peace of God, sometimes you've got to be willing to take the hits just for doing the right thing. It's like you're not going to gain anything out of it. It's not going to be like someone's going to notice and praise you for it. You're not going to get a promotion. You just need to do the right thing for doing the right thing's sake. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, hey, here you go, do the right thing, and then boom, all this great stuff comes your way. He's like, you've got to be ready to take the hits. Because true happiness means not compromising just because everyone else is applying the pressure on you. True happiness means staying close and true to that conviction that God has planted inside you, um, regardless of what's going on externally. And then he says, 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. So Jesus realizes that actually if you're going to follow him, if you're going to choose to, especially in the climate he's speaking to in the audience at the time, knowing that actually many of the other religious groups around him were very much vehemently opposed to what he was saying and who he was, he knew that if they received this teaching, they needed to understand that even though he was going to give the most wondrous gift to them, they were going to face a lot of persecution for it. And that actually, for many people around the world today, hasn't changed and is still the case. For us, it's more um, slight rejection and maybe ridicule. I don't think in the UK we're really persecuted. Ridiculed, maligned, maybe. Um, ostracized, persecuted, probably a bit much. Um, but that's it. Blessed are the peacemakers. I'm going to pull back to it. They shall be called the sons of God. I was thinking about that this week and I was thinking about what peace is. And as I started to think about what peace is and the full nature of what God gives to us, blessed are the peacemakers. And I was thinking, well, well, what is peace? And going back to the definition of, of shalom, it is to be finished, to have satisfaction, uh, repay, reward, fulfill, avow, uh, recompense, retribute, to make complete, to finish. Um, peace, fulfill, surrender, surrendering to God, happiness, well-being, prosperity. See what I mean? It's a lot of things. Health, luck, kindness, salvation, agreement, safe, uninjured, complete, peaceable, repayment and retribution. It's so all-encompassing. All these different words, all these different ideas, all within this one word, which is why the Hebrew people greet themselves with this and say goodbye with this. It's their salutation, shalom, shalom, um, for both hello and goodbye because that's what they, they, they wish upon one another and that's what their goal is. Their goal is this. So when they talk about salvation, salvation in the Hebrew understanding is shalom. It's experiencing this peace. It's experiencing this perfect equilibrium within our lives. And, and only Jesus can do that because you can't balance the scale. Once, once you committed sin, that's it. Like, how do, you, how do you get shalom after that? How do you rebalance it? Like the idea that you do, uh, I guess maybe like in Islam where it's like you do more good than bad and then all of a sudden it, like the other stuff doesn't exist anymore. That doesn't make any sense. It still exists. And how do you do more good than bad? And how do you keep track of everything like that? I mean, do you have a scoreboard at home? I don't understand. And what happens if your scoreboard's inaccurate? You've missed off a few that you've forgotten about. And then you find out on the judgment day, oh, I was actually lagging. Whoops, should have known better. Could have done better in the last three days of my life. I mean, it's a bit crazy. You know what I mean? It's, it's a scary system. But then when we look at this, this is something that Jesus gives us. He gives us his peace. He gives us salvation. And then he says... Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be the sons of God. I feel like the statement's kind of like back to front. I feel like it's more like when you're a son of God, when you're a daughter of God, you become a peacemaker. It's almost like it's the sign. People talk about the signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit is like speaking in tongues. Well, I want to say today that actually the sign that you're a child of God is you're a peacemaker. That if you're going to take your pulse, I can take my pulse and go, well, yep, I am still alive. I maybe look a bit dead, but I'm still technically alive. I can feel the pulse is beating. That actually as a Christian, the pulse you take is about being a peacemaker. And I was thinking, well, what, what is it to be a peacemaker? What in, like, how do we know? How do I measure? How, how do I know? And Jesus talks about a couple of things. There's one of the examples he gives where he talks about, like, being measured back to you. All that you do being measured back to you. And he talks about being pressed down, shaken together. And he talks about 
overflowing. And the idea of shalom for the Hebrew people, for the rabbis down the years was that you would experience a blessing, that God would be pouring into you so much that it would pour out of you. It doesn't pour out of you to the idea that you have an overflow, but that you're pouring into the people around you. And the idea with Jesus is, is Jesus is saying, blessed are the peacemakers because he knows these people all of a sudden become a part of this open source church thing he has going on. And they start stepping out into the mission of what he has for them, which is why when Jesus is standing on the mountainside at the end of Matthew in Luke's gospel or in Mark's gospel, when he's bringing it about at the end, the Great Commission, he's commissioned them out to be peacemakers. He's commissioned them out to share the gospel. He's commissioned them out to make disciples. He's commissioned them out to baptize people because he wants to bring about this peace, this peace, this gift that he gives. And so you see, the idea is that the blessed are the peacemakers. They should be called sons and daughters. And the, the thing for you and I is you have to evaluate and ask yourself the deep searching question this morning, who's my father? Because you can just take your pulse this morning and go, well, am I a part of the reconciliation and the restoration of all things? How much am I making the reconciliation, the restoration of all things a priority in my life? When was the last time I started to share with someone or invite someone or engage with someone in this way? Because this is kind of the sign that you're his kid. Because when you're his kid, it's gonna flow out. It's not something you can keep in. If you're saying, well, 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 I'm just so mature a Christian, like it's just, I'm just such a deep well, it's not flowing out. You're on crack. You're on the cocaina. You've lost the plot because Jesus is flowing out of Jesus. Jesus is baptized, the spirit falls upon him and then everywhere he's going, it's just flowing out. There's a blind person over here, it's flowing out. There's a deaf person over here, it's flowing out. There's a dead person over here, oh no, they're not. Whoop, here she goes, she's up again. It's flowing out, it's flowing out, it's flowing out. Blessed are the peacemakers, they should be called sons and daughters because he's the son of God. And when he died on the cross, he adopted us into his family. He grafted us in. We became heirs and he says to his disciples, Listen, he says, I'm going to the Father. It's going to be great for you. Because when he talks about my peace I give to you, in the same passage, he flows on to say, Holy Spirit's coming. You're going to be baptized in the Spirit. It's going to be better for you that I'm gone because he's going to be in you. And that's the promise that God has for us. You see, the Holy Spirit works in partnership with us to fulfill the Great Commission. That we will be people that it flows out of. Today is a day where, I don't know, man. I feel like it's a little bit like Sixth Sense. It's like I see dead people. And it's about bringing the life to those dead people. When you're on the Great Commission, you're walking around and you're like, I see dead people, not because there's extra people moving around the place, but because you realize you're walking amongst corpses and you want to bring the restoration. You want to, bring, you want to be a part of the mission that Jesus is about, that you bring life and restoration and wholeness to people. It flows out. It flows out. No Christian is that mature that it doesn't flow out of you. No Christian is that deep. There's no container that big. We're talking about God. And when God flows in us and when God blesses us, it flows out of us. None of us can contain it. Anyone who says they can, they're just they're delusional. They're an absolute mindless moron. It's always going to flow out of you. It's always going to flow out of you. So the question today is, if you were to take your pulse today, I mean, anyone can take their pulse and think of like a time in their life where, oh yeah, it was definitely flying out of me then. But today, is it flowing out of me today, man? Is it just, do I have that relationship with God? Am I in a position where I feel like I'm experiencing the shalom of God? I'm experiencing this peace where it is just flowing out. Where it's like, I just can't keep this in. I just can't keep this into myself. This isn't about me. This is about a bigger thing. Like where I'm attached to his mission because I'm passionate about it. 
because he says when you're a son, that's what you're like. That's why when his parents were looking for Jesus when he was lost, well, I was in my father's house, about my father's business. There's a sonship to it. There's a, it's for us as daughters, for us as sons, that we step out into that mission. This morning, you've got to take your pulse because he gives you his peace. He gives us a free gift. It's a free gift. He's not withholding it from anyone. He's not asking you to, to do a certain task. He's not asking you to achieve anything. He's saying, my peace, I give to you. It's free. But if you want to be truly happy, if you want to be truly blessed, if you want to step into what God has for you, you've got to allow it to flow out of you. Like God's, God's never going to bless you to sustain yourself. He's going to bless you to make other people whole. Because if Jesus was in the form of God but didn't regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped or kept hold of, but let go and emptied himself, emptied himself, being found the likeness of men, being found appearance as a man, and humbled himself to the point of being a servant, a bond servant, even to the point of death, even death on a cross, that it's for this reason that God gives him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord the glory of God the Father. He gets given the name above every name because he bows lower than everyone else. He doesn't call you and I to aspire higher. He calls us to aspire lower. He doesn't call you and I to aspire for more. He aspires us to flow out. I really believe that God wants to flow out from us today. It's time for overflow. The Spirit coming down in Jesus, from there on you can see his sonship. It's just flowing out nonstop. The question is, are you empty? Am I empty this morning? We're just going to pray. We're going to have a moment where we're just going to invite God's Spirit to fill us and that this week we'll have fantastic opportunities just to pour out. Father God, I thank you, Lord God, that you are just so good, so gracious. I thank you that your shalom, your gift you give to us. I thank you that when you said on the cross, it is finished, it's because that's what shalom is. It's finished, it's complete. That we aren't half daughters, half sons. We are completely sons. We are completely daughters because of your work on the cross. Father God, I pray that we would encounter your Holy Spirit in a way this week, Lord, where we would be filled up, that we would be pressed down, shaken together, and still overflowing. Not needlessly, not pointlessly, but in a compelling, direct way into the lives of the people we work with, the people we meet, the people around us, the people you put directly in front of us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. hope you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about City Hill please visit our website cityhill.london